Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. If you're going through any of life's transitions, this program is for you. Joyce is president and founder of Joy After Divorce, a one-on-one coaching practice that helps women rebuild and redesign their lives after divorce. As a certified coach, she's had extensive training, including mentoring and training by Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup book series. Joyce is also a member of Leadership Texas. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host and coach, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to the Second Wind with Joyce Buford. I'm so happy you're with us this morning. Because as usual, we have a a very interesting guest. But before we get into the program, I really want you to get comfortable, get the cup of coffee, get into the cozy chair, because we are going to be visiting about transition. You know, transition is just part of life. And for many women, we transition several times in our lives. So it's always sometimes exciting, sometimes challenging, and always um, a thrill a minute to make that transition. So I am so happy that you've decided to be with us so that you can experience another woman that has gone through transition. Um, Pat Fiorelli is, oh dear, I did it, Pat, right off of the, and I practiced all morning. But anyway, we had this nice chat yesterday, and Fiorelli, Fiorello, Fiorello. Yes. Pat. All right. But Pat is a very interesting woman because she came with a Harvard MBA graduate degree and was working in corporate America in a high position. And then she changed and made a transition in her life and became a professional artist. I think that is really brave, Pat. And I'm so anxious to hear the story. But also you've published a book on your paintings about one of the favorite areas of your that you enjoy going to, and that is, of course, Italy. Voila, the name Fiorello, which is a family name. So, Pat, welcome to the show. We are delighted that you are here today. And I know my listeners are really asking themselves some questions about how can one make that transition. So tell us about where you started and why you uh, made such a transition. Okay, Joyce. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and your listeners today. And um, I, uh, like you, share a passion for inspiring others, so I hope that our time together today will kind of maybe open up some new possibilities for people listening, because I do have um, kind of an an atypical story, but um, a story that uh, I think once people hear, they could see themselves in to say, you know what? I can go after that life that I dream and, and create a life that I love. And um, I guess um, 
maybe I'll go back to kind of how I got into painting in the first place. Um, I wasn't one of the people that was always painting as a kid. You know, when you're in school, mm-hmm. there's always like, you know, a few kids in the class that are the artists and everybody else. Right. Well, I wasn't one of the ones that was an artist. In fact, I had a uh, a bad experience in the third grade with my teacher, Mrs. Trins, who was always yelling in class, and I didn't like all the yelling and screaming about cleaning up the paint. So every Monday I would tell my mother, oh, I can't go to school, I have a stomach ache. And oh, she no. had figured out, you know, by the third week she figured, why am I avoiding school on Mondays? Yeah. And went to my homeroom teacher and realized what happens on Monday is art. So I really didn't have a very good uh, beginning with art. Um, I always liked making things pretty and stuff, but I was not um, an artist uh, by any means, you know, through my education years. And I went off in a very different direction, and um, I studied business in college and um, Mm -hmm. went to Harvard Business School and had an MBA. And as you said, I I spent 20 years of my career in a a very high-driven marketing uh, environment where I was working all the time. Uh, I started as a marketing assistant at Nabisco and worked my way up to be managing director and vice president. And then I left there and went to Coke and became vice president there as well. So um, I was really in a, you know, a high stress, high intensity uh, career. Um, But if you kind of dial back to when I was about, say, 35, uh, I was kind of at a low point in life. You know, you're talking about women in transition and my life consisted at that point of, you know, basically I was working all the time. Yes. Um, you know, I'd go yeah. to the gym, and then I was single, so I was always looking for Mr. Right. So that was like right. kind of my agenda <laughs> of what I would do. And in there I'd sneak in some fun with friends and things like that. But that was really all that I did, and I didn't really have any other hobbies or anything right. that I was doing. Right. And Well, one- I just want to, I, I want to, before you go on, I don't want to pass over how impressive that was 20 years ago for you to have that corporate position that you did have. So, I mean, that was really major. For a woman 20 years ago in corporate America, that was very nice, my dear. I compliment you you on that accomplishment. Thank you. (laughs) So, well, anyway, I was was about age 35. I was working at that time as a marketing director for a division of Nabisco. Mm-hmm. And um, we were in a really tough turnaround situation. We were when a business that was going down 20% a month, a whole new management team, including myself, had been brought in to turn around this business, which was a mess. And it was a, a really a challenging situation because it was very hard to inspire and encourage people saying, you know, hey, we're only down 15% this month instead of 20%. <laughs> so it was very, um, it, it wasn't really, there wasn't a lot to cheer about, let's put it that way. Right. And then at the same time in my personal life, I was dating a guy and, you know, I thought he was the one. You know, I, I, everyone I th- would think they're the one. Yes. But anyway, this one I particularly thought was the one. And then all of a sudden one day he said, oh, I can't do this anymore. And we split up, and I didn't see this coming at all. Mm. So it really rocked me, you know, really shook me up. And I went to work the next day, and my boss noticed that I was kind of quieter than usual. I wasn't my usual energetic self. So I tried to go over some work projects and things with him, and he kept looking at me, and he said, what's wrong with you? And I was trying to be professional. I said, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. And And then he just pushed his chair back, and he said, 
do you have the nerve to come in here and tell me nothing's wrong? I know if something's wrong with you, <laughs> which was very keen, uh, you know, observation. Mm-hmm. And um, also, you know, very kind for a boss to even be concerned about what's going on yeah, uh, with you as a person. Mm-hmm. And um, so after some prodding from him to try and get it out of me, I did share with him. And you know, I broke down and I was crying. I was like, you know, I just don't feel like I'm making a difference at work. And then I was dating this guy and he left me and I didn't see it coming. And I just shared with him, I, I really didn't even feel like I can trust myself. How did I not see this was coming? Like it just took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave me some great advice. And it's, you know, it's, I've carried it with me to this day, which is um, you need something besides work and men, because you can't control either one of them. Oh, good advice. <laughs> well, I thought oh. it was great advice, especially coming from a guy, right? Yes, And uh, yes. he shared with me more about his life and that, you know, he had been divorced and he's remarried and he's happily married and he has a great mm-hmm. job, but sometimes he has a fight with his wife. Sometimes mm-hmm. he has a bad day at work. But for him, he uh, had a passion for horseback riding, and he would go horseback riding at night. And he said, no matter how bad a day I had or no matter how big a fight I had with my wife, I could always be replenished and find myself when I go horseback riding. He said, you need to find something like that. So yeah. in a, a, a very nice way, he was basically telling me, get a life. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you need something besides work and looking for somebody else to fulfill you right. to um, really, you know, replenish you. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea, you know, what that would be, what that could be. I had tried some different things over the years, tennis, golf, and I wasn't really good at any of them and didn't really have an interest in that. But um, a few months later, I was, I was kind of open to new possibilities. And I went with my mom on a trip to this Canyon Ranch health spot. It was her 65th birthday, and I was taking her there. And I'd been there several times before. And every time I would go and I would do the same activities, and then this one time I said, you know what, I'm going to do something different. And they had a, a list of different activities, and they had a one-hour watercolor class. And I thought, well, you know, I'll give that a try. It's something different that I've never done here before, and um, how bad could it be, right? I, re- I really right. just said I'm trying something new. And um, so I went, and it was, you know, the teacher had us draw us a picture of something and then do another painting of something. And... Um, she said, you know, come back tomorrow and they'll be dry. Well, I thought they were going to, like, transform overnight, but they, um, you know, I came back the next day and they were the same pictures, only dry. But they looked like they could be on somebody's refrigerator door because yeah. guess what? My training left off in the third grade, so you don't magically improve your skills right. if you haven't been practicing it. Yeah. So um, anyway, but I didn't really care so much what they looked like. It had been fun, and the next day she took us out again. So uh, we uh, went and yeah. painted a garden, and by then I was hooked, and I got some some painting um, supplies when I went home and started taking classes at night. And um, one of the the uh, things that happened, I had uh, an idea one day of like, you know, it would be really great to go to Europe and paint and be an artist. You know, when I had Love all of that. three months of painting experience, <laughs> but, you know, I had this little idea that floated through my head. And then that day I went downstairs to the lobby of the building that I lived in, uh-huh. and I found this artist magazine, which I have never heard of or never saw before, and I opened it up, and it said, go to Provence and paint for two weeks in a workshop. So I had no so, idea what I was doing, and I just took the magazine, and I went up, and I, I 
phoned them, and they had space available. I signed up, and I bought an airline ticket, and I went to France to paint for two weeks. And that was... Oh, I was... like that immediate action. But we are going to go to a break. Okay. And it's so amazing that a teacher can have that effect on you so that you walk away from it for years, but then the spirit brings you back to it. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? It always stays in us. It always comes back to us. So I love that you've gone through all of that story with us because it really does, and you've shared good information. So anyway, we'll be back shortly with more of Pat Fiorello. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome. We are talking with Pat Fiorelli. Fiorello. Uh, which is Italian, you know. Uh, and she's telling us about her interesting career. And one of the things that Pat shared with us in the beginning was the impact that a third grade teacher had on her, just in the causing frustration in the in the classroom. And then how she put that aside, but was reconnected with it in her adult life 
which I think is always very interesting that I, I am working with my clients many times, ask them to go back and visit with that little girl to find out what they put up on the shelf for whatever reason. So I love that story, Pat. But then I also love the story about the boss after your, your business, after your sad breakup with your um, guy, that the advice that he gave you, that life gets tough, but you need to have some hobby or some passion inside of you that can feed you and bring you back to a happier state. Did I say that right? Um, so, okay, so you've gone down, picked up a magazine. The magazine advertises about the trip in Italy after you've started taking, after you re kindled your interest in painting while at uh, Canyon Ranch. And I assume that was the location out in Tucson, right? No. Um, the, no? It was in That Newark? was in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Ah, wonderful. Yeah, they have another another beautiful place there. Right. But, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so, um, so taking me back to the workshop. So this is the first time I'd ever uh, obviously been on a painting workshop and been on anything like this. I had no idea what I was getting into. And when I showed up there, you know, I had all of a few months of painting experience and my little painting kit. And when I got there, then I realized, oh, my God, everybody else who's in here is uh, professional artists and art teachers. And then, you know, me with my little paint kit. But it was a really uh, life-altering experience. And I'd say, you know, just sharing with the other women in terms of looking at things that – you know, sometimes you jump into something not knowing, and it's it's actually better that you didn't know, because if I had known all the other types of people that would be on this trip, I probably would have talked myself out of doing it, saying I wasn't ready for it. Yes, or, yeah. But not knowing, I just said, okay, this looks like fun, and I just said I would do it. And it really did um, change my life, because being there for two weeks, painting, meeting other people that were in a different world than I was because none of them were business people. I didn't really even tell them too much about what else I did. I was Mm -hmm. hearing all about the world of art and through an artist's eyes Mm -hmm. and seeing beautiful places and continually being inspired by things to paint and learn. And it was really a nourishing, inspiring, exhilarating time. And by the time I left, you know, I made up, I said to myself, I am going to do this every year. I mean, I made a vow to myself. And that was 19 years ago. And I have continued to do it every year since I find some place to go each week, even when I was working full time, I would take, you know, some of my vacation time and go someplace just to paint on one of these painting excursions, because you really get immersed and you can learn a lot in a week. That's different Mm -hmm. from taking, you know, one class, during the week and then getting back to your everyday yes. life and then mm-hmm. going back for another few hours. Mm-hmm. When you're there and you don't have any of the distractions of normal life and all you are there is to see beauty, um, meet other people, paint, enjoy, learn, grow, it really is um, you know, very, very energizing. Mm-hmm. So I continue to do that. So I kept working probably another seven years after that. And, um, you know, I'd have my job and then, I, you know, at night, maybe one night a week I'd paint or maybe one night on the weekend I'd paint. And then I'd go on these painting workshops. And it was a way I got to see beautiful places in the world and see it while painting. So I went to Ireland, Bermuda, Italy, all over. And, mm-hmm. 
anyway, so, you know, continue but to did fast you forward. Take, so, now, yes? when you said you painted one night a week, did you take a, did you do a course or did you just on your own? In yeah, your... Uh, well, both. I would, um, I did sign up for a class like one night a week after work which was mm-hmm. good because then I had a commitment to get out of there and not work all night. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. having that structure in place was actually very helpful, too, to continue my own growth because sometimes you take on something new and in the beginning you're excited about it, but if you have no structure to keep it alive over time, it yes. kind of dwindles because um, painting or any of these things that we do for our heart and for ourselves, is, uh, it's not urgent. It's important because it's important for us. But it's not urgent. And then, you know, the rest of life with the emails and the phone calls and the deadlines, all those urgent things displace many times what's important to us, especially as women. I think we're wanting to take care of our husbands, our kids, our house, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. We're taking care of a lot of other people, and a lot of times yes. those needs come first. Yes. So I think it is important to create a time and a structure to um, make time for that passion that you like. And even today, you know, I teach art now, and a lot of the students that I have love to come to the class not only, you know, to learn, but also this way they have two or three hours a week that are dedicated to painting. They know they will get their painting time in, and it's something that they enjoyed, and it's an escape from the rest of life. Um, But if they didn't have that structure, you know what? It would fall to the bottom of the list of things to do. So... A class structure like that can be really helpful yeah, um, as I you're agree. as you're building a new you know interest in your life. Mm-hmm. Now, when you when you were, you know, you went to on your Canyon Ranch experience, and you made a decided decision to try something new, mm. um, and you did that because of why. Why did you want to reach outside of your comfort zone? Um, I think part of it had been kind of the nudging of my boss to say, you know what, you need something, you need to find something for you. And Mm -hmm. I realized I wasn't going to find that doing, you know, another aerobics class. Yeah, what you'd always been doing. Another thing that I'd already done that Mm -hmm. would be, you know, a good healthy thing to do, but but it wasn't... um, it wasn't providing kind of the, I don't know, I'll use this word, kind of soul nourishment that he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't know, I just, you know, for some reason I said, you know, it looked like something I could do that was out of my comfort zone, but it wasn't, you know, way out of my comfort zone, like, you know, hang gliding or something really would be out of my comfort zone, but I would have right. no interest in that just yeah. personally. But the painting, I said, okay, I'll give it a try. It's an hour. You know, it seemed like a low-risk thing to do, but it was something new and different, so I gave it a try. Like, never expecting, um, you know, that here, 19 years later, this would be my profession. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's developed into that. But do you think that, um, for me, I know if I were to look at the, different courses that they offer I'm I'm not sure I would ever choose painting unless I had inside of me something that that kind of drew me to that you see I'm one of those that says well I don't know I can't draw a straight line 
So I may stop even before I would try an experience. So what my question is going to is, do you think that is something, the talent of painting and art is something that's in a person or it's a developed skill? Um, I think that um, it is something that we all can develop if you have an interest in it. I didn't, you know, when I took that first class, the one-hour class, I had no concept of myself as an artist, as creative, as somebody who could draw, none of that. I didn't say, well, I'll try that because I think I'll be good at it. I just said I would try it with no attachment to anything about it except that I was going to go do something different for an hour. Yes. And um, I meet a lot of people, and it's interesting because I have um, developed a course, which I've been teaching for 12 years, Mm -hmm. called Art for Non-Artists. And it's a one-day class that I offer, and uh, in the morning I go through techniques with people, and then we have a lunch break, and after lunch we do a painting together step-by-step. So in one day they leave with a finished watercolor painting. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason I created that course was because as an adult now I started showing people my paintings, you know, Mm -hmm. right after that. And, Mm -hmm. And as I continued to develop, I would show them to people. And then what I would hear back consistently from people is, oh, you know, it's so great that you can do that, but I can't draw a stick figure. I can't draw a straight line. My sister was a talent one, but not me. And I started thinking, you know, art has enhanced my life so much, like just the way that I look at things, the way I see colors, the way that I appreciate the beauty of the world around me. It's enriched my life so much. I wanted people to have access to that and not think that they can't do it. And I did a lot of research, and I found a, a great book, which is The um, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain by Betty yes. Edwards. It's kind of mm-hmm. the Bible of, of drawing. Every, a lot of, of people have, have read it. And um, one of the things that she really researched was the fact that drawing, and I, I advocate also painting, is a skill. If you could learn to draw, drive a car, you could learn to draw or paint. It's a developed skill. But what happens is, over time, people give up on their ability to draw and paint and do creative things. Mm-hmm. Picasso has a quote, every child is an artist. The secret is to remain one when you're an adult. And I came across some research that had been done by Hallmark, the greeting card people, and mm-hmm. they sent uh, consultants in to interview school kids. And when they went to kindergarten and first grade and they said, who's an artist? Every kid would raise their hand. And if you have kids or grandkids, <laughs> you might recall, you give them the stuff, they go out there, and they're having fun because there's no attachment to the outcome. They are just in the moment playing, painting for no reason. They're just having fun with their materials. Oh, I love that. And well, we are so they continued on to the other grades, like third grade, fourth grade. Well, fewer and fewer people raise their hand that they're artists. Right. And then when they got to high school, You know, there's the one or two kids in the class that are the artists. And you probably, you know, you may have had a similar experience in your growing up that, you know, there were some kids that they were the artists and everybody else wasn't. But what's happened is that over the course of development, when kids are in the third or fourth grade, like I was when I had that incident with my teacher, uh, judgment starts setting in. Before then, when they're small, four and five, they're not judging how they're doing with the painting. They're just painting. But when they get third, fourth grade, all of a sudden now somebody laughs at them. Uh, their painting doesn't look like a photograph because now we return good. with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. 
evermore. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl. The inspiration for the movie, Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection. With host, Mary Similuka. And frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things. And are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central, on toginet.com. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. My guest this morning is Pat Friorello. And we have been talking about art and her transition from corporate America into the uh, professional artist. And we just discovered we were having a little sound problem. So you'll hear us. It's kind of funny on breaking for going to the break. But I did want to go back and pick up with something that you said, Pat. And it was about what happens during the third and fourth uh, grade school years, what happens to the to children as they're transitioning and they become more of looking at the outside instead of looking at the inside of themselves Mm. actually so would you go over that again because we kind of sure um i was sharing just the study had that had been done to see the development of kids and kind of their relationship to art and the young kids um are just in the moment enjoying it having fun Mm -hmm. uh they're in the present moment they Kids that start getting in third, fourth, fifth grade, all of a sudden now they're in a stage of life where judgment is there. It should look like something. It should look like the photo. Their brother's painting is better. Somebody laughed at them, like me. Some, my teacher yelled at me. Something yes. happens, and we all of a sudden now have a judgment about it and take ourselves out. So that's what they found by the time kids were in high school. There was only maybe one or two kids in the class that really, you know, were into art, well, guess what? Those are the kids that had been encouraged. They hadn't given up or taken themselves out of the game, and they continued developing their skills. So guess what? They were, you know, uh, you know it looked like they had more talent, if you will, than other kids. But yes. I would really submit that there's a lot of kids that um, have given up because of something happened, and they judge that, oh, well, I guess I'm not artistic, so I better be good at baseball or I better be good at math or I better be good at something else. And so what happens is it's almost like they take themselves away. And what I do in that Art for Non-Artist workshop is I have people, usually 40, 50, 60, I've even had people up to 80 years old, take it, and um, I find out from them in the beginning, when did you last paint? And a lot of times it was in elementary school. Uh-huh. And in one day, they see that they can actually paint if they want to. And oh. um, so they leave with a finished painting that day, or the way that I have the class structured. 
So um, it reopens the possibility of having art in your life. So, you know, I'm sharing right now about art, but you could really map this on to any interest that you have. You know, there could be some place where you've given up on something because the judgment about it, that you're not good enough at it or somebody's better, whatever, is keeping you from something that you really would enjoy and that would enhance your life. So, you know, I think that's a real good place to be looking into. Is there something that deep down in your heart you really desire, that you you wish for, that you yearn for, and you tell yourself you can't have that because you're not good enough or whatever? I always tell my students there's three things that keep them from art. You know, the bad news is they um, need to be pointed in the right direction. They need to... Um, get practice, get training and practice, and they need to give up that they can't do it. Those are, that's the bad news about what's in their way. The good <laughs> news is all those things are within their control. Right, yes. So um, you can get training, you can practice, and you can give up that you can't do it. And once you let go of the myth that some people have it and some people don't and say, you know what, if I want to learn this, I can, I think you can learn anything. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a mindset problem almost, isn't it, about what we can do and cannot do that's, that's set so early in our lives and many times limits us from getting outside of our comfort zones. Now, if I wanted to take a course, I would have to be close to you. Where would that be? Uh, well, I live in Atlanta, and I do teach classes here in Atlanta um, you know, during the week on an ongoing basis. But I do have lots of workshops that I offer in different places. Um, some are nearby here, like Callaway Gardens or the Highlands in North Carolina, different places like that. And then, um, then I've got the travel workshops that I do. So where I started being a student, taking those international workshops, now for the past seven years I've been teaching them. And um, in May uh, I'm going to be t- taking a group to Provence to paint. And in um, September, I'm going to be taking a group to Tuscany to paint. And again, these classes are open to people of any skill level. So I've had plenty of people that have never painted before, and they've come on the trip. Sometimes a mother-daughter team will come on the trip, and they've never painted before, but they're doing it as a, something fun to do together to learn and grow and, and see a new place. And they're really um, they're vacations. And you see new places, and we do some sightseeing, and you eat great food. But then we also do um, do painting each day, and you start to see a country through a different set of eyes, like a, an artist's eyes. What what are you looking for as an artist of something that would be beautiful to paint? And noticing things at a deeper level, the the textures, the colors, the light, the shadows, all of that. So um, so they're really great uh, adventures, and uh, anyone can just go on my website, patfiorello.com. And there's a workshop page with all the upcoming workshops. And they can sign up for my newsletter. And once a a month, I send out Bringing Beauty to the World. And that always has an update with upcoming classes and workshops, too. So you don't need to live in Atlanta. I might meet you someplace else. Or if you have a group of people, I'd be happy to come someplace. uh, I'd be happy to come out to Texas, uh, Joyce, and teach a group out there if we can wrangle them up. Well, is there any one particular thing that you like to paint more than others? I mean, or do you paint all scenes? Subject matter? <laughs> yes, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I basically love nature. I like to paint, uh, well, I love to paint flowers. And uh, I know my name, Fiorello, that long Italian name with a lot of vowels. 
uh, is tricky, but it's, it actually in Latin is one who lives near a wall of flowers. And I only learned that several years after I started painting. And then I looked around at a lot of things that I was painting. I was, I was painting a lot of scenes of flowers because I love flowers and they're a great opportunity mm-hmm. to put you know, vivid colors and things in your painting. So I love to do flowers, and I also love to do landscapes. And I particularly like landscapes where there's, like, dramatic light and shadow, and there's a little bit of architecture and a lot of lush foliage and plants and things. And that's why, you know, when I go to Italy and France, there's some great, um, just great scenes to paint of the countryside with, you know, flowers and the old uh-huh. buildings that have a lot of character and texture uh-huh. and all that. So so those are the, the things that I paint. I don't really do people, and I don't really do pets or animals. Um, I really like to do just scenes of nature and, and beauty and just try yes. to make them as, as beautiful as possible and, and things that people would love to surround themselves with to be uplifting because, for me, art is about um, elevating people, uplifting you, um, providing meaning. And, you know, I don't get into art that's kind of political or has a statement or anything. For me, it's art for the sake of beauty. Yeah. Well, we've tried to share so many of the uh, of your beautiful paintings on my website, Second Wind with Joyce Buford. But also on your website, there are more uh, beautiful examples of your work. There's one that I particularly of light that you introduced me to, and that was the uh, bridal bouquet that you paint for new brides. Yes, um, that's something that I've been um, doing for a while. I, uh, as I said, I love flowers. Just personally, even before I started painting, I, I did take some flower arranging classes, and I've continued to take that. And I just love flowers. That's what I see, and it inspires me and excites me. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, what more to paint than the most beautiful flowers are wedding flowers. Um, right. And um, I had um, both of my kids in the past couple of years have gotten married, so I was around a lot of flowers and weddings <laughs> and all that. And I've started to do these bridal bouquets. And what it's really been rewarding because it's something that's so meaningful and special um, because it's a remembrance of the wedding day. And, you know, you get married and there's so much planning that goes into it, and then it's over right away. And you have these gorgeous flowers, and a day or two later, you know, they're gone. You might have photos of them, but what I do is I take the photos and I create a beautiful um, oil painting that's rich and textured, and um, it's something that you can hang in your house for the rest of your life so that you've got oh, a like reminder that. of your wedding day yeah. forever. And um, I had one bride, I recently did her painting, and she sent me a photo. She hung it up over her nightstand. She said, this way, every night before I go to bed and every morning when I wake up, the first thing I see is um, a reminder of my wedding day. And I thought, wow, that's so oh. romantic. <laughs> so I really enjoy doing those and... Um, if anyone's interested in that, they can just you know email me and I can uh, fill you in on all the details. There's also a page on my website that's uh, devoted specifically to the bridal bouquets. You can access it from the home page. Right. Oh, I just love that idea. Matter of fact, I have a friend that's getting married, and I shot that information off to her yesterday because I know she that would be a beautiful thing for. A mother to give a daughter. Yeah, it's a great gift, and I do have gift certificates. So sometimes you're looking for, like, that special bridal shower gift or something that's going to be, you know, different than what you would go buy at the mall, you know, and Mm -hmm. this can be something that's really unique and memorable. Yeah. 
Well, you you do paint all over, but your two favorite areas to go to or parts of the world are Italy and France, correct? Mm -hmm. And from your trip to Italy, you produced a book. Yes. And and tell us about that book. Okay. Well, I always kind of, again, had in my my mind an idea that I would love to do a book someday. You know, when you're sitting around writing your list of dreams, you know, every once in a while I'll take out paper and say, what do I dream of? And it's been on my list of dreams, but, you know, I never had a plan to do it by when, you know. So mm-hmm. if you don't have a by when, it's really still a dream. You're not in <laughs> action about it. But when yeah. I came back from Italy in 2012, it was my friend uh, Claire, who is also an artist. She saw some of the paintings I'd done, and she saw all my photos, and she knows my enthusiasm for Italy. And all four of my grandparents were Italian, so I feel like it's you know my second home. And um, she said, "You should write a book." Now, when I said to myself, "I should write a book," you know, I did nothing about it. But when I heard it from somebody <laughs> else, "You should write a book," all of a sudden I started to say, "You know." And I'm 53 years old. What am I waiting for? What am I, um, you know, yeah. how much longer am I going to put it off if I, if I say that I really want to do this? Let's get into action. And so I started doing some research about how would I go about doing this. And I took some of my photos from the computer of paintings I'd done, and I actually just put a big piece of white foam core on the floor and just put them into piles and started seeing that I had some natural uh, groupings of paintings of different parts of Italy. And, um, you know, then I just, you know, found a partner. I I interviewed different people that would help me with translating the paintings and my words about the paintings into a format that could be printed and, um, Ah. you know, selected someone to partner with. And then it took probably close to a year to get all of it together, but we did um, get it published and launched um, last fall, and it's been doing very well. It's called Bella Italia. Mm-hmm. Italy through the eyes of an artist, and I basically take you on a visual tour of Italy through over 80 of the paintings that I've done of of Italy. There's oils in there and watercolors, and also I have oh. a whole section on why Italy is aesthetically beautiful from the perspective of an artist. You know, we usually see Pat, it from the perspective of a going, tourist. Pat, I'm going to have to break you again. Okay. I'm sorry to keep doing this. I love it. It's no so problem. hard to do but we will be back and I want to tell and you can tell us more about the book but also you could tell us where to go to order it it would be a beautiful gift thank you we return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. 
As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature, and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your high on life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. We have been having the best time talking with Pat Fiorello. Hey, you got it. Our- I know, I know, I know. It's only <laughs> taking me an hour. But uh, we are having just the best time talking about how a corporate executive transitions into to becoming a professional artist. And we will talk more about that. But she was just telling us, summing up about her book, which she has published. And so tell us a little bit more of how it's broken down, Pat. How you came up with the, the book is broken down into sections of yes. different parts of Italy. Yes, um, I just really organized paintings that I'd done to kind of showcase different areas of Italy, like Tuscany's got all the beautiful vineyards and hilltops, and then I have a section on the romance of the lakes because I go off into paint at Lake Garda and Lake Como, um, uh-huh. and also Venice, just just places that have water. Uh, there's something very soothing and romantic and and just beautiful about that and enchanting. Yeah. So those are some of the different areas covered. And the book is um, available on my website, patfiorello.com, and on the homepage there's a little button for a book, and you can click right on there. And there's a little PDF on there, too, where you can have a sneak peek of some of the pages of the book uh, if you want to see a little bit more about it. Well, I think that that's a beautiful exi- uh, gift for uh, – Many people that go to those areas fall mm-hmm. in love with the areas and want to keep them as memories of their trip. But, you know, I would like to go back and revisit with our guests how you made that transition from corporate executive to a full life of being a professional artist. That was tremendous courage and insight. And how did that develop? Um, okay, well, I'd be happy to share that. Um, as I said before, I started painting, you know, kind of as a hobby when I was about 35, and it was it really became kind of a mental vacation from work because I would do it on the weekends, and it would just really 
work that other side of the brain, the the right side of the brain, instead of all the analytical stuff that I was doing at work. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I kept painting as a hobby for the next, say, about five years. By the time I was about 40, I really started, you know, going through that stage of life where you're questioning, why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Am I doing what I'm yeah. doing just because I've been trained to do that? Or am, is it really joy and a self-expression? And I really saw that, you know, for me, the beauty was kind of a higher calling. And I did a lot of work on, on kind of identifying my own purpose, like in, in defining what is my purpose or what is my context for life. And what I came up with that would be inspiring for me is that I'm creating a world of beauty, love, and inspiration. I saw yes. how much beauty and art had enhanced my life from what it was before that I wanted to expand that in the world, expand access to that to other people um, through art, whether it's appreciating art, participating in art, whatever your, your access is. And even I have a blog now, Art Elevates Life, because I really am committed that people get the richness that art has to offer for them. But yes. so I really started doing kind of some internal soul searching and came up with this, I'm creating a world of beauty, love, and inspiration. And I looked yes. around my life and started to see where could I add more of that. And I started doing things around the fringes, like volunteering with the botanical gardens and things like that. But, um, you know, I had to kind of look in the mirror and say, the biggest place where I spend, you know, 60 or 70 hours a week has nothing to do with creating a world of beauty, love, and inspiration. Um, yeah. You know, I was selling soft drinks, and <laughs> it was it, it really – it was a great job, and I made a great income and, you know, a lot of perks and all of that. However, um, it had nothing to do with my purpose. Yes. So I was kind of out of alignment there. And, um, you know, when it came down to it, I said, you know what, if I really want to walk the talk here and inspire other people to live a life of their dreams, I need to be doing that. And so I didn't, like, wake up one morning and say, I'm going to quit my job, and now what? I really yeah. did plan it out for a couple of years, and I started putting things in place. I, um, you know, I knew that, you know, going from an executive job to being an artist, there was going to be a lot of changes, one of yeah. which, you know, there's a financial. Of course. Because it's, a, you know, you don't have a guaranteed salary, and you don't have the, some of the benefits and those other things. But mm-hmm. I did some things, um, you know, with some financial goals to try and, lower my overhead costs of running a house and all that so that I wouldn't be, you know, in need of as much money Uh, as I had been taking in. So it was like I could live on less without, you know, what areas of my lifestyle was I willing to cut back on and which ones weren't I. So I kind of started with the facts about that. And then I also did things to build my confidence in the art, like enter shows and, and other things and start selling my work so that I would be kind of had a running start. So I spent about a couple of years in transition um, working towards uh, my goal. And I said by the time I was 43, I wanted to retire from the corporate world and, and be an artist full time. And um, that's what I actually did. I, I uh, resigned on December 31st, 2002 it was. And that, uh-huh. and that happens to be my birthday is December 31st. So uh-huh. I, um, you know, it was very much... Um, a thought-through decision. It wasn't an impulse yes. decision. And there was a lot of uh, the obstacles that I came up against because, you know, not only the financial change, but also the um, the uh, social change because, you know, at work you're working with a lot of people on teams 
And as an artist, you're spending a lot of time in your studio by yourself. Yes. So just yeah. making friends yeah. in the art community. And I find that teaching helps me. And, and the way that I've designed my business now is I paint and I sell my paintings either you know, directly through to people or through galleries that I have in different parts of the country. And um, then I teach, and I said before, I teach classes here. And I have one ongoing class on Tuesdays, and then I teach workshops. And then I also do a little bit of licensing of my work. And actually something that organically came up is that people came to me requesting coaching because they knew that I knew about marketing and business, ah, and many artists yes. don't. Uh-huh. So yes. I was able to provide that for some people too. So I had kind of a, um, a business with a few different sources of income that has helped me over the years because sometimes when one is up, the other is down, depending yeah. on the economy, depending on, you know, what's happening. Mm -hmm. So um, I had taken a class, uh, Making a Living Without a Job, by uh, Barbara Winter. Oh. And she's got a book by the same name yeah. that I believe okay. is available online. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I took away from that was um, create multiple profit centers. Like it's, yes. it's good to have a few different sources of income when you're starting, you know, a new venture so that you don't have all your eggs in one basket. So I did factor that into my thinking. And then I just, at one point, you know, I put it down on paper. It wasn't anything fancy, but this was what my plan was going to be. And then I just started doing it because, you know what, how my business is today 12 years later from when I started, um, you know, looks a lot different. I wasn't doing oil painting then, and I, I eventually got into that. Um, you know, the bridal bouquet thing is totally new. The book I hadn't envisioned. You know, the places that I'm teaching now, I would not have envisioned 12 years ago. But I think you have to get started. So, you know, be mindful and practical. Do your homework on the numbers of what is it that you really need to live on. Just because mm -hmm. you're making a certain amount of money doesn't mean that you need that amount of money to live on. Yeah. So I got, yeah. got the facts clear on what I needed. And then I started seeing what are, the multi, what are the different sources of incomes that I could generate that collectively would make this work. And then I put my foot out there and took the first step. And I think that's important because you can sit here and analyze and, and think about it, but the thinking okay. about it is not going to make the difference. Once you take that first step, then all sorts of opportunities start coming your way. And you learn as you go. You learn what things you're really enjoying what things yes. you want to do more of, what things you want to do less of. There are uh -huh. things I tried that have, you know, sounded good, and then, no, I don't really want to do that type of project. So you <laughs> learn more about yourself, too, by, you know, creating your own business because you are constantly getting to choose and design which direction you're going in and how you want to grow and expand. So right. I love creating the art, and um, I also enjoy creating, you know, what – does the art business look like? Right. So creating your life is more like uh, it's planning and it is, you are actually designing what your life is to mm -hmm. look like. But without, you just know you want to be where you're completely able to enjoy life, enjoy the beauty and yet make a living as well. So you made that transition, and how are you as a person? Are you happier, well, fuller? How would you describe yourself? Well, I have to say I feel a lot uh, freer. I mm -hmm. feel 
um, energized that I am aligned with what I say my purpose is. There's an integrity there of you're doing what you say is important to you. Um, Mm -hmm. I love having the freedom of flexing my schedule. You know, my husband is an elementary school teacher, and um, he has off during the summers. So I actually can change my schedule to work around when he's available so I maybe teach less in the summer and right. teach more in the times that yeah. he's busy. So um, I can flex, you know, be flexible in what I'm doing. And everything that I'm doing, I'm choosing to do. So yeah. it's a lot, uh, you know, you just feel a lot more empowered when you know that you're, you know, you're calling the shots, good, bad, or indifferent, you made the choice to do that, and and there's nobody that kind of imposed it on you. Like you feel, oh, I got to go to this meeting, I got to do this, I have to do that. So um, from that po- standpoint, I think there's a lot more satisfaction, and I enjoy right. working with my clients yeah. and my students. Yeah. You know, just to see them right. grow or them, you know, their lives uh, enriched. That I they're, agree. you know, they're happy, yeah. they're joyous when they got some new painting, and it makes them feel good when they see that or brings yeah. back some memory that's important to them. Well, um, we. That's a nice gift. You know, being able to change somebody's life is a nice gift. So I want to tell you, you can find more of Pat's work on Pat, F-I-O-L-E-O-O-L-E-L-O, P-A-T-F-I-O-L-E-L-L-O.com. F-I-O-R-E-L-L-O. Dot com. Thank you so much, Pat. This Thank has you, been Joyce. Great I, I enjoyed you it. Here. And we look forward to hearing more. I do want uh, people to go to your website. It offers so many wonderful um, ideas and opportunities. I love the books and I love the trips. What an experience. And you must be very happy in knowing how you've changed so many lives. Thank by you. Your and I, I just leave words for your listeners just to, if you have a dream, go for it. Today is the first day to get started. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Second Wind. Join us again next week at the same time as Joyce and her guests share strategies of growth and renewal. You'll learn how to attain goals and dreams and create the life you want to live to its fullest. Second Wind.